Good evening, guys, and welcome to episode 12, version 2. I'm Jim. And I'm Bob. And a happy episode 12 to Bob Old Bean. We are technically on point now, I believe, so we wish each other a happy new year for a second time. How are you, old boy? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. And for a second time, I will like to draw your attention to the fact you've addressed me as Bob and not Lord Bob, because uh, as I've already said to you, I have been given a peerage over the Christmas period. Uh, me and Lewis Hamilton both uh, received documentation uh, taking us to the top table, so to speak. <laughs> yes. And like uh, I said before, I am um, absolutely indebted to you, Lord Bob, and your messes, Sugar and Bentner with it. So... Um, let's crack on, old boy. Um, a very interesting period. So I've obviously, for those that haven't followed the Twitter page or, or looked at the updates or whatever, I've been in Dubai since Christmas Day. I had some business to attend to out here and somewhat looks like I've got a period longer to spend here just because Arsenal's form is so good when I'm not in the country. Uh, we have three wins in our last three since our last recording of the Christmas special, Robert. Yes, what a festive season Arsenal had. Nine points from nine, eight goals scored, one goal conceded, shots per game right up to the level that Wenger had. It was a good, good Christmas for Arsenal Football Club. And I'm glad that you're having a lovely time in Dubai as well, I'll be. Thank you, thank you sir. Yes, it's, bloody fr- it's bloody freezing and miserable here. I know, everyone that sends me a photo of, mate, it's so cold over here, I'm... I just feel it is my duty to uh, send them one back of the uh, 26 degree blue skies. But um, I, I, I don't want to rub it in. I will um, I'll run out of followers and friends very quickly. But um, look, it's late nights for me. I'm four hours ahead. So um, Arsenal's still playing late in the day. So I'm a bit bleary eyed. Went into um, the what, what ended up being my the 27th out here. Slightly concerned about... Um, what was going to happen in that Chelsea game. And what a bizarre game it was. If they won that game, they were going to go second. Since that point in time, I believe Lampard is now favourite to lose his job uh, next out of all the Premier League managers. Um, That's a good point uh, you've made there, James, about Lampard being favourite. I wonder when Arteta was under pressure, Arsenal stood by him. I, I wonder if Chelsea will be so steadfast and standing by the manager. Will they act quick? Knowing that Pochettino has just been snapped up by PSG, and you know there's only a few good managers out there. You know Rogers yeah. could go back there. Obviously, he was youth uh, head of development there for a while, so you could certainly see that happening. I think they'll be quicker to act. Well, they've certainly got a history of being quicker. Well, to act. absolutely, they they are ruthless, aren't they? When it comes to managers, I mean, look, two shells obviously on the open market at the moment. Uh, you've got a on the open market who's been learning English as we as we know Arsenal been touted alongside him for some time. That'd actually be interesting to see him come into the Premier League, not at Arsenal, and see what he does. Albeit with a budget that I understand was the breaking point between him and Arsenal, you know, merging in the first instance. And then they're not like you say, yeah, Rogers' name's been uh, pushed around a little bit. Albeit Leicester having a fine season again, like sneakily. The league table's really taking quite a bizarre shape now you think about again go back to October with that game where we played Man United and both Solskjaer and Arteta were starting to come under a bit of pressure then we beat Man United Man United fans started calling for Ollie's head he's now tied for top with a game in hand that's unbelievable unbelievable scenes and if you look at Man City I think they've got some three games in hand two uh, two, and, two, and two, go, yeah. two games in hand and they'll go top with those two games in hand which I think is quite remarkable that you know, Liverpool, I mean, it, it's 
it's sort of like the proverbial 400 meter race you know you've, yeah. got, you've got the stagger you've got the staggering and it's only really when you come around the bend of christmas you start to see how the staggers taking effect mm. uh you know i saw yesterday some great tweets about arsenal being 10 points behind after 17 games and people suggesting that Wenger's first season we were 10 points behind after 17 games we went on to win the league with four games to go 97-98 season yeah. that was I think there's a, a lot more teams in between us and the team at the top and, and also the quality of the teams in between us and the top you know it, it was very much us and Manchester United at that point whereas there's a lot more teams that will throw their hat into the ring should there be availability of a title uh, but yeah. let's get back to the football rather than our waffling no. on about what could be happening. But yeah, yeah, Chelsea, yeah, absolutely. Boxing yeah, what a game. day treat. And what was the biggest treat about it was a maybe a Christmas wish from young Mikel to put a little bit of the Thursday night flair into the Saturday games. Or Saturday, should we just call the weekend Premier League fixtures, which we've been calling for for some time now. And we've been banging that drum for ages. Absolutely. And with that happening, you just saw an instant change in retrospect of desire, passion, just, I'm not quite sure what the expression is, but a bit of tenacity, perfect. That, that, you just saw that little bit of spark there, but there was also that youthful flair, you know, the boys Saka, Smith Rowe, you know, really, really coming into their own. And I thought Lacazette had a fine game. He really, really did sort of bond the team together. He linked the midfield with the attack, uh, sort of playing in a nine and a half role to Emil Smith Rose, what you might call an eight and a half role. And in between them, they've managed to plug that gap. And, yeah. and I thought that was brilliant. And what they did, it was almost like they really did blend well. And there was lots of movement. There was a mixing of crosses. There was a mixing of balls into the box. You know, it was those three games over Christmas, we crossed less into the box than we had done previously. And it showed in how many shots, how many chances. But it just uh, showed also... The way we were playing. It, it just showed also that because they did mix it up a little bit and the addition of Smith Rowe coming into that 8-10 role, they basically were able to play in the periods in the middle of the pitch. So all of a sudden, some width's been created for the fullback wing backs, And now more time is there, which means obviously naturally the quality gets better. But also you're more diverse, which makes you harder to predict, which means you also become harder to mark. So you create better quality opportunities. So even if you, I know you, you're going to come on some stats later, but even if you're having the same shots on target, they're likely to be better quality, which should then obviously yield really more goals. Point. I think that's a good point you made there. You say about making the space and, and making it more diverse in attack, which if you go back to the way Carragher lambasted us about oh everybody knows how to play against Arsenal just give them the ball I mean Chelsea didn't give us the ball in that game they had a, an abundance of possession I think it was almost like 60-40 like in that game 63-37 if my memory 61-39 it was yeah yeah I, I just think that was a complete opposite you know they didn't give us the ball we were at home but what we did was was of a higher quality well, well, you know, we, managed to, we managed to flip the game Chelsea actually had Arsenal stats of the month before 61% possession uh, 19 shots on goal but only 3 on target 
709 touches to Arsenal's 505. However, Arsenal had 15 shots on goal, which is a significant improvement on where it has been, and seven shots on target. So, you know, 150% more than Chelsea. Yeah, and, and that, that showed, I think, there was a lot There was a lot of good to talk about every player on the pitch. The first goal, obviously, a penalty kick. Uh, a really good penalty scored by Lacazette, actually. Would have been yeah. a lot of pressure on him for that goal, uh, but took it, took it brilliantly. But yeah, the, he did. The I boy, mean, he was the boy a, Tierney. He was, yeah. The boy Tierney coming into the box. That was a penalty. Look, and I'm not being biased. It was right to be given as a penalty. He was brought down. It wasn't, 100% as a He would have, yeah, he... I enjoy Gary Neville a lot, but the bias between, you know, his association with Manchester United came absolutely full fruition, didn't it, this week? Saying Pogba's was a standout penalty and Tierney's was a dive and that they should, you know, they should go back to VAR and overturn that. And I was thinking, I mean, you can't, you can't actually, I don't believe in regards to watching it in real time and watching the motion between the contact and the movement into the box. I think they're almost symmetrical spot kicks. You know, they're both, they're, they're, they are, there's contact there. They've stopped the player without playing the ball. They're both penalty kicks. Certainly a penalty kick, brilliantly taken by Lacazette. And I think that, that, that was the real start to a real change in how we were playing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Just and just after half time, Jacques Boom. Uh, well, it was just it was just, just, just just before half time. Yeah, um, that's right. And, and yeah, and there's two unsung heroes actually of of the last three games in general. But let's stay on the Chelsea game. Uh, Granite Xhaka being one of them, and Pablo Mari the other. Pablo Mari got a, a yellow card really early on in that game, and I was really concerned to see how he managed that. But uh, he managed it with an aplomb, to be fair, and has been a significant force. I mean, we have goaded Gabriel was, you know, and he has received rightfully player of the month for, I believe, consecutive months since the first, start of the first season. First three months of the season. Yeah, first three months of the season. Yeah. And Pablo Barry has not retired him by any means, but if he was on sabbatical, you didn't miss him. You know, Pablo Barry has had three fine games. I, I think brilliant games, actually. You know, a lot of people said we haven't lost with him in the side. Uh, I would like to draw the point that the first game back after the lockdown 1.0 uh, against Manchester City, he did play in that game. He got taken off injured for Louise. Yeah, so he yeah, did correct. play in a game. He did play in a game where he lost. So that, that must be counted, I'm afraid. Sorry about that, Mary fans. But I'm a huge Mary fan. Uh, not only am I a huge fan of how brilliant a footballer is, He's a gorgeous-looking individual. <laughs> oh, he is. He is the finest-looking centre-half I think I ever did see. You know, normally they are... We go are, back to Barry Venison days. <laughs> normally they are big, tall, you know, stalwarts of men that like the contact, you know, the second row of the rugby union side, uh, if you will. But um, no, um, but he's a fine-looking individual. And he, um, I believe he came in at last knock-ins as well because obviously we had a couple of players that went down due to COVID. Uh, they were yep. tested or they were in the vicinity. Uh, William uh, and Louise both tested negative and I believe Gabrielle tested positive and therefore was put into an isolation. Uh, so that's why he didn't play. But yeah, yeah absolutely. All in all, I think we did well considering that and he did brilliantly marry. Marry did class. And, and, and I just want to bring mention on that 
with Mary was that Gabrielle has obviously been seen as a phenomenal piece of business, bringing him in at 25 million. I think, you know, loan fee inclusive of the deal that brought him over from Brazil, which, you know, we've gone after Edu quite a lot in previous pods. And I think he deserves some credit for that. I think he's cost something like six and a half, seven million quid in total. And you don't buy footballers in the Premier League for that sort of cash anymore. That's, no, that's, that's a fine piece very of business. Low end. That's very low end and it is a brilliant piece of business, especially against a team that probably didn't want to sell him. So, yeah, I thought he did well. And you did mention Xhaka, didn't you? You were going to give him some uh, discussion yeah. for his performance. So, so the point around Xhaka was that, and I think I've said it to you before, we beat Watford 3-0, I believe, in that famous uh, Puma black and fluorescent uh, green kit that you adore. Um, you like and it. he... Yes. He had his finest game for Arsenal at this to this point, I think, that day. I mean, because his range of passing was so obvious to see. And he also scored a, a wonder goal in that game, I believe, as well. One of his Jacobooms. And the team play in such a way when they do press quite high up the pitch and the front three work quite tirelessly. Obviously, Sanchez was in the team that day. And Sanchez Mark II was in the team, you know, on this day, being Gabriel Martinelli. And... Xhaka all of a sudden gets to sit a little deeper and get into the pocket and fulfil the role that he told Arsenal fans is what he wanted to be, which is a deep-lying playmaker, you know, but someone who can, you know, tackle and win the ball back. But he is, uh, you know, his distribution of the ball is supposed to be what is what, you know, his key um, attribute is. I certainly think Swiss yeah. fans think that's what they get from him when he, he wears the number 10 for Switzerland. So, um and, and, and he played, and, and I thought he played that game in actually the three games that we've played, not so much against Brighton in the first half, but the other two and a half games, it has been notable how well he has moved the ball around the midfield to start the spark of attacks. He did this after the Palace game, though, didn't he, last season? You know, when he walked off the pitch with stripped of captaincy? Yeah. You know, he always comes back after a black mark with several green marks or green ticks, if you will. And that frustrates me. He shouldn't need to get to that low and be that vilified before we start to to praise him. He should he's employed as a footballer, and that's what you should do. You I mean, everyone has a bad game, don't get me wrong, but you shouldn't get that dark and do something that bad and then almost use the good performances that you should be doing week in week out as a well, I'm really sorry here's that, this that, for you as a present and, and it doesn't actually get over the fact that his just demeanour and kind of his self-entitlement means that he doesn't have to apologise for his actions he didn't he took far too long to apologise for that action against uh, Crystal Palace um, when he was captain you're right and he also hasn't actually apologised for his actions in the game that led no, his sin. His Instagram off. post was something like uh, "actions speak loud and words." So I think that's 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 pretty pits poor, to be fair. Well, especially as Pepe and Gabriel um, were, were, were were straight to social media to apologise to the fans. You know, so I think it's just natural just to look. The other guys have set a standard here. You've just got to at least say. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I'll come back stronger. And he did. And it, you know, I know it's only a small thing, and people will say, "Oh, you're probably just being petty." But you know, we, we were talking off air a little bit about the point around players' treatment of COVID and things like that. And, and there is a self entitlement as a footballer that means that all of a sudden you think that you're above the law almost, uh, which is the fan base. And I think that that's where you know, so many Arsenal fans have been very on the edge of their seats with the with the state of the form that we've been in. And 
I think at that given time, just to acknowledge the fan base was the right thing to do. But anyway, that, that aside, you know, in the last three games, he has shown uh, some clear qualities in form. Now, the re-emergence of Martinelli, Bob, talk to me about that. How, how good's that been? I, I, I was concerned when he was rushed back into the side. Mm, uh, brought him on as a substitute against Everton brought him on early uh, starting him against Man City in the cup obviously took a knock in that game but but since then against both Brighton and against both Chelsea especially Chelsea and even that Man City game I think he's been brilliant Uh, you coined him as a bit of a Sanchez type figure and I totally agree with that tenacity skill he has got so much uh, playing as a left winger. Brilliant crossing ability for the goal that Lacazette scored against Manchester City. Uh, you know, a really fantastic prospect and player. Really, really good. And he's also very good as a centre forward. I remember in the Europa League games under Emery last season, scoring copious amounts of goal with his heads. He was, you know, I think yeah. he is a very good all-round front three player, front three player being left wing, centre and right wing. I think he could play in all three of those positions and do a job in all three. Uh, I think he's something that I would love him to learn and get better as he gets on. And he needs Arsenal to be in good form for that. He's, he's a player that needs good form around him. Uh, but no, I've been I've been so impressed. I'm I look at it to be fair, and if I look at all three games, and I know he's only played one and a half, but the same other one and a half games has been played by uh, Abamian, if you will, or Abamian's played two of the three games. To be fair, mm. but I look at his one and a half games, and I look at Abamian's two games, and I'm sort of thinking to myself, with Lacazette playing the way he did, uh, with the boy Saka, which I know we'll talk about. Uh, I look at Aubameyang and think, we're here, you're the captain and your name's not necessarily first on my team sheet. No, it, uh, it's a really good point and I was just sitting on that actually and you stole my thunder. I, I, I think you're absolutely on the money. I, I don't think that he is a stalwart all of a sudden whatsoever to be in the team. And if I was him, maybe sneakily, I'd be obviously, ad- I'd be, I'd hope he'd be elated that the team's form has turned around very, very quickly, which is the beauty of the Christmas period if you get it right. But I would also be thinking, hang on a second, I am in a spot of bother here because I'm, I'm being, I'm playing left side. It's very difficult, you know. When we would, it's so funny how football is just operated on such small minutiae. Because we were saying what a month ago, something like that, a month and a half ago. You physically can't... Aubameyang has to play through the middle. Lacazette's completely played himself out of the team. Then he had that incident where Aubameyang wasn't fit and, and you know, they called on Nketiah before they called on before they called on Lacazette. Now, Lacazette scored four goals in his last 200 minutes of football, I think. I mean, and, his and minute per goal ratio is up there with the best in the league at the moment. Yeah. I think it's on I, one, two, three per goal. Perfect. I mean, which is a fine record in the Premier League. And he's your top goal scorer. With, with, you know, he's got a lot of breathing space as well uh, as your top yeah. goal scorer. And one you, can't, I want you to, can't drop him. One of the things I want to draw attention to is a point that you've made. Uh, you've, I think you've made it on the podcast. You certainly made it to me in person. And that's about how badly informed our players were, our front forward players were, and how it would be essential to get them back into form and how you saw that the best way of doing that was by playing on Thursday night. Yeah. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happened with Lacazette. He's played on the Thursday night. He's capped in the side. Yeah. He's also played on the Thursday night in what would be the two last games, if you will, dead rubbers. Mm. He's capped in the side of those games and he's captured it with such leadership, skill, scoring goals 
And all, and all told, he's come along and brought that to the league. He's done exactly, as well as Arsenal Football Club as well. They've done well, everything he, we've asked him to do and done, bring Thursday done, nights to the weekend. He's done the hardest thing that you have to do as a goal scorer, which is break your duck, you know. And, 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 and he did it in fine fettle, didn't he? I mean, it was like a thunderbolt, that goal in the Europa. But then he was showing it again in his performance. He found an extra yard of pace. He's working hard for the team. We know so many occasions I can think of something where he's tracked the player 25, 30 yards. He has got a very dogged approach to the way in which he masks players in the front three. He, is, he reminds me a bit of Burkamp the way he defends. Burkamp had just that, he just had that aura of grit about him, albeit he was a complete class act. And, and, Lac, and Lacazette uh, defends like that. I'm saying he always goes into contact and, you know, defends like Duncan Ferguson, but he just tracks players very well. And, and I think actually out of all of our forward players, Lacazette's probably got the best footballing brain. Uh, I think he just looks the most naturally kind of in tune with the football game. You know, I, th- I think someone like Aubameyang is just a, a lethal striker and finisher. But Lacazette probably, out, you know, Barros, or who, who, who I think is one of the best football brains to play the game for Arsenal, but he's not registered. And I think Lacazette's probably, you know, second to him in that regard. And that obviously very much helps you when, you're aging as a player and you're trying to defend in, in, in a, it's what you, I would probably call a tactical press more so than a, just a dogged kind of Martinelli style. I will run 11 kilometres per game yeah, at a very think, high intensity. It's good points made there. I think if you look at both Martinelli and you look at uh, Bamiyang, they're more instinctive styles of players. Whereas Lacazette has to work probably a little bit harder to get his just desserts. No, I, I totally agree with you there. The Chelsea game, 3-1, great result. Quick question, did Saka mean his goal? No, I, I don't. I, I, I just think, um, I just think, look, I just think he's one of those players who naturally just creates, like, you know, really dangerous situations, whether he's scoring them himself or he's creating for others. And that is just a ball that's just being put into a horrendous position for a goalkeeper. Like, it's deadly. Like, and, and it's one of those you things. You saw it in his face, didn't you? Yeah, it just looked cheeky. And then you saw, you see, look, you see, uh, you see the lad Grealish uh, getting involved in a bit of banter. I'll be. He's really hammering the Arsenal boys on the social media platforms, on the gram, and on all of that. And I think that that you know that's tickling the taste buds of most an Arsenal fan. But have Arsenal oh. really got a hundred million pounds ground drop on a player. Well, if they did, he would be one that I would I would absolutely endorse but going after. I think he probably very much is right in the missing link of what Arsenal were looking for in a I'll dynamic. T- I'll tell you for one, I think out of all of the teams in the league, you know, I'll go as far as to say this. I think if Arsenal came in for him out of any of the the form the proper, you know, the old fashioned top six, I think he'd choose us. You know, uh, wages aside, unless someone offered silly money, I think if everything was on a reasonably even keel, I think he'd choose us over others because he'll get more game time playing in a different type of play- team of different type of players. I think it would be the one he would choose to play uh, rather than maybe yeah, moving well, to yeah. United where, where it's not really the team for him, United. I'll well, say they've already got three people in his position, haven't they? It'd be very difficult for him to go into that United team. But, you know... And he's he's already said it's his favourite ground like to play at. You know the Emirates. He loves going there. He's got loads of friends. I think in the um, uh, because he's obviously late to the fold for someone of his class. I think in in Southgate setup, albeit he's very much played himself into the England team, and I think he's probably a very much a regular now. But you know he's, he's quite close with Saka, holding 
Smith Rowe. He's friends with all of them, isn't he? So, Ainsley and also as well, the big yeah. thing, and the big thing is the transport links in London are probably best in the world. So, without the fact he can't drive anymore, that's going to come in well handy. No, and I think he's probably, I think he probably earns enough money, old Bean, to have a driver. So, um, I'm not sure that he needs to. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure he needs to catch the N11 to uh, <laughs> to, to to London Colney anytime soon. But um, Look, moving moving on. That that Chelsea game was just a lot of people. I just want to I just want to make the point. A lot of people said how oh, Chelsea were bad on the day. I think the way Arsenal played actually made them made them play the way they did. I just think it was that was Arteta's most complete performance as Arsenal manager today. Now, one of the things I'll say with that game is, and your point you made about the opposition, Chelsea were on the down, but we beat them. You know, it, it's irrelevant of your opposition. You still got to beat what's in front of you. You know, mm. if you go back a month ago, we're losing to Burnley, we're losing to Aston Villa, we're losing to teams that we should beat, Wolverhampton Wanderers at home. All three of those games at home. You know, we're losing games that we should win. Yet now we've gone out and we've beaten Chelsea. Yeah, okay, that was on the they're on a downturn in form. We've beaten Brighton. You know, Brighton could go and hug everybody in the country at the moment and they wouldn't get a positive result. <laughs> and then you have obviously West Brom that are just, they weren't very good and we battered them off the park. Now, with all of those things, you still have to beat them and we beat them all well. Yeah. Maybe with the exception of that first half against Brighton, mm. which we'll come on to now. So, Brighton yeah. was a very, very slow start and I think we were lucky to be level at half time. And I think the notable things in that game were uh, Abamyang for Lacazette. I think we just lost a little bit of that tenacity there. Bamian look incredibly isolated up top. You know, I, I said a second ago about maybe Lacazette playing as a 9.5, you know, near the 10 roll to sort of plug that gap. Whereas, you know, um, if you're using football manager parlance, uh, Bamian's very much an advance forward versus, say, more of a deep line centre forward that uh, Lacazette was. And that's shown. And maybe if you look back at those games earlier on in the season when Aubameyang was isolated, yes, we weren't playing the football, but maybe how advanced he was was contributing to that. Being as we weren't playing with a proper number eight, if you will, or number 10 type figure. Now yes. we sort of close that gap. The centre forward doesn't look as isolated. That said, he did against Bolton. He did. And, and the first half, you can pretty much scatter over it. It was a nothing half. I think we were probably quite fortunate. Leno came into his own. Both Holding and um, Mary continued to be very solid together. And there was nothing really going on. I think at the point, about 55 minutes into the game, we had a solitary shot on goal. It was very, very, very lacklustre. Um, it was like the old-fashioned stuff we'd been dished up earlier on this season. Yeah, it was. It was it like was. going from... It was like watching... a. A Christmas carol in reverse. You start off with the turkey and you move <laughs> back to the plate of gruel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that. I, I just, uh, it, well, it, it was like it was like it was Boxing Day because the, the because the turkey was dry and rancid, and you just had to eat it through gritted teeth with your grandmother's eyes on you. <laughs> you know, but and then and then actually some inspired management in our Texas defence. You know, because he, he brings Lacazette on for Martinelli, pushes uh, Aubameyang even, even left. Just before that, just before that, <clears throat> you know, he brought, I think he brought about Lacazette on early 50s in the half. They started the first half, first eight minutes of that half, totally different to how they played mm. in the first half. So yeah. they, they'd obviously been given a, they've obviously been spoken to, you know. Yeah. 
been given the, you know, going back, to maybe when we show the ghost of Christmas future, if we go back to Christmas Carol. <laughs> but then following on from that, your point exactly, the substitution yeah. and the tactical switching around of Lacazette for Martinelli leads to the goal immediately. First touch was perfect to control it. Second touch, even better to score it. Brilliant goal, brilliant movement again. You know, the guys, Smith Rowe, Saka, playing brilliant football leading to that goal. Fantastic. We look much yeah. better. Well, it was a fine goal. It was it was an inspired run by um, Saka. And yet, well, I, I think actually Lacazette hadn't been on the pitch very long at all because it was his first and second touches, wasn't it? So, and he scored in the, he scored in the 66th minute. So, um, I think actually, with that being said, it was an inspired substitution. And then obviously, you know, they can... They saw the game out quite quite grittily after that, which it wasn't pretty watching, but you know, it wasn't that, pretty that, watching, but at the it same was time, three I points, felt, and that was. I didn't feel like I'd felt in previous games. I I was watching them with my eyes open rather than looking through my hands, so to speak, in that second half. It, it was a better performance, even though it wasn't as good as the previous game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely spot on. And there wasn't really much else to talk about the Brighton game. He, he made good substitutions. He controlled the game quite well, Arteta. You know, they were, the, the guys weren't at the races, but they did what was needed. And that was to get the game over the line and take maximum points from it. And I don't mind winning in a shithouse kind of way if it yields three points. It's when you lose like that that... It grates, and uh, and they didn't. And we moved on to the West Brom game, and, and more changes were made, weren't they? Well, not the boy Martinelli, um, no Martinelli, not which um, I'm very happy I with. Was a little, um, I was a little aggrieved by. See, but, I was happy about um, that. If you look at the weather, if you look at the weather in that game, you look at the fact he's just coming back from an injury, you look at the fact it's against a big Sam team that he plays in a certain style of football. You is it the is it a time to risk that player? No, it wasn't, and it was proven right. I mean, the weather outside was frightening, but <laughs> Arsenal were so inspiring that day. They oh, were perfect, wow. start to finish, masterclass from Arsenal. Well, um, masterclass from you there, what a line. You should write music, old boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, um, was really happy that he retained the same back five. I know we lost Bellerin early on in the second half, but again, that was probably an inspired sub. You know, the, uh, the pitch was greasy. Lots of snow about, visibility was out. You mistimed something as a second yellow card and he certainly doesn't want any more red. So really clever sub, albeit not impressed with um, Maitland-Niles being one of a number of tight-wearing uh, Robin Hood merry men. But um, anyway, that aside, uh, we'll let it go, being as it looks like they're um, operating in a blizzard. You know, I was, at, I was at a point worried about that game continuing. So, <laughs> Tierney. Yeah. Well, Tierney has come under a bit of scrutiny with me, hasn't he? And I've, I've taken a bit of scrutiny from it. And all I said about Tierney was, no doubt I think he has the attributes to be top, top class. But his countryman and fellow friend, Robertson, is clearly operating consistently at a level where, don't get me wrong, it's in a team that are exceptional and have been for sort of 20-odd months. But his quality in scoring goals and getting assists is just up a gear. And I just said it would be great when Tierney can operate and just sort of see if he can give us a little bit more. And I think actually for the last month, he has done exactly that. And he had a fine game. And it bugs me a bit because he's out there in the snow with his short sleeves on and 
<laughs> these fans that go on this journey about him being this short sleeve wearing guy. I want to I want to bring a couple of points in there you've made there. Let's start with a bit about short sleeves. He's come out himself and said he always trains in short sleeves. He always wears short sleeves because he wears them in a match. So why would he train or wear things that he doesn't wear in a match in the lead up to it? Fair point. Yeah. Well yeah. made. Yeah. The other point I'd like to say is many in comparison to him to Robertson. When you made that point about Robertson being leagues ahead of them, I was totally in agreement with you. Since then, Karen Tierney has played better in attack. Well, Arsenal have played better, so let's let's not, you know. He has been brilliant in the last few games. He showed grit, determination, skill, a lot more pace and bite, and he's been an attacking threat. But at the back, I, I think he's a stronger defender than Robertson is at the back. I think Robertson has a mistake in him a bit more than what Quirantini is. In attack, Robertson's world-class, don't get me wrong. You know, I think he is right up there, probably one of the best left-backs in the world. But KT, Quirantini, phenomenal player. And that goal, that goal wasn't just a great goal for a left-back. It was a great goal for anyone. If a Bamiyang scored that goal, we'd be talking about it. We'd be jumping up and down about it. Oh, it was a, There's no reason why it, it, it was a show inside and a right-footed shot into the far corner. It wasn't a Bamiyang Henri S goal. I mean, that's exactly what it was. Um, <laughs> Almost reminiscent yeah. of Henri versus Manchester City that time at Highbury. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and it's capped off a run of fine displays for him. I think he, he got an assist in the game as well. It was it was the, it, for a left back. It was the perfect game. Clean sheet, assist, goal. You know, you can't play. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You can't, you can't play a final game. You know, there was a couple of things that didn't quite go to plan. Uh, the um, the dropping of El Nenny to bring Ceballos in just highlights for me that there is a real problem in that other central midfield player. If Zaka stays in this form, he can he can continue to operate. But we are really, really, really looking forward to sort of um, reinvesting Thomas Party back into this side. I think well, he's he's going to be almost a new signing. How many games has he played? What two and a half? Played two and a half games, yes. in, and we signed him in yeah. the summer window. He's going to be an absolute revelation if he comes back fully fit. Yeah, so I think I will bang the drum along with a lot of other Arsenal fans out there that I can see, I can see Kieran as a future Arsenal captain. Yeah. Uh, I really, really can. Yeah, I don't deny um, it. I mean, he, he he has all the right attributes of a captain, you know. He captain Celtic. So I'm, I'm sure he has got um, ability in, the, in, in, in that regard. Bob, the second goal that that was that was my favourite goal in the game. Oh, it was a dreamy Arsenal of old. You know, you would. You, it was a goal that good that you would almost expect to pan to the dugout and see Wenger doing a double fist pump, turning around to Pat Rice. It was that good a goal. Superb Subsequently, goal. playing with his uh, long jacket very soon afterwards with the yeah, zipper broken. Uh, I mean, Emil Smith Rowe. With fluid movement, eye to pass, linking up divinely with Saka, scoring a goal of Arsenal old. It was probably the, one of the best team goals Arsenal have scored, if not probably the best team goal Arsenal scored since that wonderful uh, display against under Emery. This would be against Everton. No, sorry, against Leicester City, if you remember it, the Urzul Abamyang middle treat. Yeah, edition. and absolutely, and that's an interesting point because in that goal, Lacazette very much played his part as well with the dummy and the little ball into Urzul, and he did exactly the same thing in this goal. It was a fine touch and a really, really perfect ball around the corner with a lot of pace on it. 
a phenomenal touch from Smith Rowe and then just clipping it across and Saka getting to finish it off with an open net. But it was a great goal. And on Smith Rowe, I thought actually a really, really nice anecdote of that was Ozil's recognition of what uh, Smith Rowe has done in the last three league games. And I thought that was a bit of a touch of class, to be fair. Because I know he must... Yeah. All, all professional footballers must want to play. That's why they get into the game. I know money obviously replaces a lot of things. But to come out and say, look, here, here, like, you know, you've been a massive part of Arsenal turning a corner. I just thought that was quite classy. Yeah, that was really good. No, it was brilliant. And I thought Smith Rowe, and I think about all three games, he's shown to be fantastic. But mm. one player, one player has really smashed his way into top echelons here. Um, that is the boy Saka. I am so not I'm impressed. I'm excited. My, I'm salivating now talking about the boy. How good has he been recently? Um, is he our best player at the moment? I think he is Arsenal's best player um, now. I think he is probably the highest ticket valued player in the team. Uh, you know, I think if everyone was available for sale, I think he would achieve the biggest fee. I think he is going about his work. I think we had a bit of an issue. You re- uh, you referred to him previously as the Swiss Army knife, which I think was a fantastic analogy because he didn't really have a position. He's being used at wing back, right wing, as a 10, as an 8, as a left winger. And I think now he's he's probably made, made life quite tricky for Nicola Pepe. Uh, because he looks like he's really come into his own in this position off of the right wing. He's just, I, he's I just think as an inverted just, winger, he's divine. Yeah, he's just, he's just nineteen. But you know, I think, I think when we spoke a little off air, and I said to you, what does Saka need to do now to be regarded as the finest young player in the Premier League and one of the finest young players in Europe? I think he has to take this form to international level. I think he will have to convince Southgate to play him in the front three instead of playing him as a left wing back, which he's done uh, mainly. And I think the goals and the assists now have to come quite consistently. You know, he has to start recording the right numbers. If you think about the other players in and around his age that are perceived as the finest, then you probably earmark Mbappe as the finest young potential in Europe. And from a numbers... Yeah, 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 Sancho, yeah. From a numbers perspective, not so much this season, Sancho, he's, he's having a bit of a stinker, which which I think actually was always expected after that just season-long uh, rift with will he or won't he join Man United. As soon as that didn't happen, I just thought this was inevitable, to be honest. But with Nabry, um, you know, Nabry at, at, at Munich, albeit he's a couple of years older than Saka. But, you know, that... Right, you should mention Nabry after we've hammered West Brom. Yes, absolutely. And and obviously the fact that he was a youngster at Arsenal who, for whatever reason, Arsenal just couldn't make anything of it. And then somehow he's ended up at Bayern Munich. And, you know, he's not only a regular, he's a star player at Bayern Munich. You know, just a quick one on that. Like, what's gone on in the Arsenal hierarchy where no one has thought this guy's got ability? Because he's now playing he in a team. with injuries, didn't he? He suffered with injuries in his career at Arsenal. And obviously, you've got other players playing ahead of him that were they're in the squad. You know, we, we talked a few, about a few of them. You know, there was Ozil's in the team. There was Sanchez in the team. There was Cazorla's in the team. You know, um, if you go a, a few steps before, there's players like Fabregas and 
Nasri and there's lots of attacking flair players in the team. But, you know, a young lad that's getting injured week in, that's got injured, is going to find it so hard to get in there. And if he doesn't come into the team and take his chance immediately, they're not going to get another go. You know, we've we've let a few go through the, you know, that was at the time we had Theo Walker and Alex Oxley chamberlain trying to make their ways playing in that position. And, you know, he's, 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 he's just turned top end. He's just turned 25, you know, so he's not, he's not by any means old. I mean, you know, obviously Saka's 19, so he's significantly younger. But, you know, he left Arsenal, he left Arsenal in 2016. Now, he's he barely 20. You know, and he, he got, he went to Bayern, he went to Bayern Munich in 2017. They loaned him out, scored 10 goals in 22 games for Hoffenheim on loan. And then he's gone back to Bayern Munich, you know, and his record at Bayern Munich's quite... It's quite something, and yeah, it's just I, I just look. It's not a point. I just uh, I, I just wonder whether or you know what you know. He scored forty goals in hundred and eight games for Bayern Munich. He scored twenty three in forty six last season, and you know one in two. So it's it's some it's a nominal record. Yeah, you know. But um, look, I don't want to get off the point, but it, the the wider point I'm making is Saka is earmarked to go to this level and I think that he has the ability to go all the way to the top and Arsenal very much I think will be holding on to a hundred million pound ticket player yeah. in six in six months time with, with the way in which people cost money now and especially age now I think your but, point was what does he need to do well yes. he needs to make that right wing that inverted winger on the right hand side he needs to make that his position that needs to be his and nobody else's at worst he then moves across to the left and he can play on either side he needs to make a position his own he needs to learn it he needs to hone his skills there and he needs to become the, the best player in that position at Arsenal he needs to not even be used in the same paragraph or, or even on the same page as Nicola Pepe, on the same page as likes of Reese Nelson and players like that. It's him. It's his position. You know, you say about playing for England that role, I think, if anything, this sounds quite weird, me saying this, but for him to forge his positional play and be in that position for Arsenal and do well in it, actually might damage his England prospects because you've got players like Raheem Sterling, you have got the aforementioned mm. uh, Jaden Sancho that will get, Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford. So you're going to get players that might get picked ahead of him. But no, let's make no bones about this. Right now, for me, he is red hot to be PFA. So Marcus, Marcus, Rash, Marcus Rashford, Bob, is actually a you know a good example. He's, uh, I think he's just become like the third fastest player to score 50 goals for Manchester United. Um, three years ago would have been his season at the age of Saka. And he scored, he played 47 games and scored 13 goals. So... That would be obviously what you know where Saka sort of needs to be in order to to have I guess parity from a front three player. I don't know about assists because I, I I couldn't see them, but I would say that you know Saka needs to contribute to fifteen plus goals this season to be on on the right graph. I think obviously all of them did struggle at the start of the season because the the sheer form that Arsenal were in. But I think now if we become a bit more free scoring. Um, and we can use a Smith Rowe or maybe reinstate an Urzel or sign a player to help the front three, I think his yeah. numbers will come. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Saka is the one that I can... He's a shining light. 
and a tribute actually to Hay Lend because we've not spoken enough about it. And, and probably a credit has to go to Freddie Lundberg and Per Mertesacker for the management of the academy sides. Because if you think actually about what's gone on there, and the academy did an awful lot of work with Tierney when he went through his injuries. And he's obviously come back into fine form. They've done, you know, Martinez was a fine goalkeeper before we sold him. You look at Joe Willock coming through, looks to have ability. Emil Smith-Rowe looks like an absolute find if he can retain this form. Martinelli uh, has obviously been managed partly by the academy before coming completely into the first team setup. And and Saka um, looks to be you know, an absolute player. So I'm only hoping that now we're actually going to move into a discussion around the transfer window that Mertesacker is the person controlling what's gone on with William Saliba. So you've got Saliba, yeah, transfer window. There's a few things when you look at the young players. Before we touch on Saliba, we've obviously got the the horrible instance of the uh, Balogun contract. You know, he did Mm. post something yesterday on Twitter about 2021. You know, he's a player that, like your Sackers, like your Smith Rose, I think we need to get him on that we need to sign him up on a new contract. We cannot afford for him to go away on free because he'll come back like a Nabry absolutely for sure in years to come to haunt us if we allow him to leave. So we need to get Balogun signed up, whatever it takes to do it. So that moves on to where we are, you know. So the transfer window opened. We move Kananasic out on loan mm-hmm. uh, to Schalke. Very quick, smart. In fact, that, that deal was signed before the window opened. So he's gone to Schalke on loan with an obligation to buy if Schalke stay up. Really big thing to say about that is we're paying 50% uh, of his wages. Schalke are paying 50% of his wages. But when you add up the two numbers, they don't actually attribute to what his wages would be. So he's actually taken a pay cut to go there. Arsenal paying half of the new value. Schalke paying half of the new value. And obviously if Schalke stay up and he helps them stay up, he will join them on a permanent. So we wish him well. Uh, we wish Schalke well. You know, we, I think Kalanisic needs to move on from Arsenal. But in terms of that, Saliba. The most baffling moment in Arsenal season has been the, the non-use of Saliba in, in many a game, especially Europe. Uh, he's obviously moved to Nice uh, on a six-month deal to the end of the season with yeah, no it- obligation to buy. Pictured in the kit today, Nice are taking on all of his wages, but there's no loan fee. So, you know, from an Arsenal perspective, they've managed to clear away all of his wages for the next six months. There's, there's one interesting thing that I think is quite comical, such as his lack of appearances with Arsenal. One of the clips that they used in his signing video was the tackle that he got sent off for when he played against Wimbledon. <laughs> which I think quite comical. But no, uh, there's a lot of musings around the fact that it is a six-month, but Arsenal might be eyeing a 12-month extension thereafter. So he could be there for 18 months, depending on his development, which I, you know, you know, Rio founded and uh, labelling him a uh, waste of money today. Rio, don't say things are a waste of money until you really know. Uh, there's a lot of QPR fans that will start to say about waste of money and your name in the same fray I've been, if you want to get on that way. Uh, but no, so he's moved on. Kalanasic has moved on. We know that Arteta wants both Mustafi and Chambers out. You know, there's no bones about that. I think both of those are going to go. I think Socrates is going to be gone as well. 
Uh, I don't. I think Socrates. They're they're on about terminating his contract. I know Olympiakos uh, are looking for him. They're looking at him to go back to Greece, his homeland, of course. For Socrates, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I think um, Ornstein, who obviously we 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 understand and respect as a um, as a publicist for Arsenal, um, and and Fabrizio Romano, who who probably is now the transfer goat, has come out and said that they believe that. Socrates and Urzel especially are Arsenal's biggest projects to see if they can find new projects for them respectively. And then we also know that Arsenal are very interested in doing something with Mustafi and Chambers. So, you know, I think I think that they'll try and move players on because I assume that if they can move people on for some sort of fee or at least moving them from the wage bill, then, you know, the likeliness is that that money could be reinvested into the transfer window. Now, Absolutely. looking at possible ins, there's three people who have been earmarked. I think Isco was the first one. It, that seems yeah. to somewhat been dampened with the emergence of Smith Rowe, the, the actual cost of a loan deal and Isco's actual you know, passion to stay in Spain. And I believe Sevilla are the team that are looking um, to try and potentially take his signing. But then the two that are looking most interesting is Julian Brandt of Dortmund. Now, I was baffled, Bob, when I've seen now five or six tabloids suggest that he would cost 25 million euro. Yeah, that's what's been touted, which is no money at all, really, isn't it? Well, I mean, it seems extremely light for a player of, touted of his talent his ability I think he's young still 24 25 and the second player I understand will be actually somewhere in the remit of the same uh, which would be pounds is Emiliano Buendia of, of Norwich no, now yeah so we've gone from uh, Awar and Zubalushlai to Buendia and Brand, which is some downgrade you know I think there is some movement with that and I think Arsenal are looking to use other players moving in the other direction in loan and namely looking at maybe Willock and Nelson to get yeah. them some more game time I heard reading about that Willock, Nelson and Inketia are all available for loan moves and Nelson is potentially available as a permanent move if the deal was uh, was correct yeah, there's musings so, around Inketia going to Wolves actually, which I don't really hold much water in at the moment until I see really? a bit more. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're between 15 and 20 mil. But anyway, yeah. So Bandir and Bram, I think Bandir, if we can use our, our players to go on loan there to get them game time and to soften the blow on Norwich losing that, that could be a deal we could do. You know, 15 million plus sending them Willock, Nelson, and Inketia on loan. Then you know Norwich are laughing all the way to the bank because that will get them promoted within within a second. Julian Brandt, obviously moving from Germany to us. I think he's a good player. You know, he, he's he's not the sort of player that you know I was dancing up and down wanting. I think he will improve us though. But again, we've said this time. We've said this off air, and I do say to you that if you're willing to gamble on what I was call middle ticket players as in Bundir and Brown wouldn't it be more beneficial to Arsenal Football Club to keep a player like Ozil to help him tutor Emil Smith-Rowe throughout the rest of the season and then look at a bigger ticket player in the summer I, I, I just don't see those players potentially as being the answer to Arsenal's I'd love to be proven wrong you know, like we've slated Arteta in previous weeks, please prove me wrong. If I come on every week and say I was wrong what I said last week, Arsenal are better than that. Or I was wrong what I said last week. Bundir is amazing. What a buy 20 million was. You know, 
I'm not sure they're the players. You've you've missed out our annual link. It's came out today. It was almost that, like well. Christmas I was going to say. Outside. I was going to say on on the subject of Julian's. Yes, the boy Draxler has been linked again. Uh, you know, it, you know it's you know like lockdown. It comes around and the link from Arsenal to Julian Draxler. He's not in uh, Pochettino's plans. He wasn't in Tuchel's plans. I believe he's out of contract at the end of the season. Will Arsenal make a move for him? Who knows? He could well be a January the 25th style player for us, to be fair. Well, he, his best friend has obviously just left as well, you know, in, in Kolesnak. So um, I'm not sure. Um, I assume he's obviously pally with Ozil. They played in the national team together when Ozil was still a German international. And Mertesacker at that. But yeah, I, I don't know with Drex. That. It, it's really bizarre. He, he he seemed to have just the world at his feet as a career, I thought, when he was at Wolfsburg and then going to Paris Saint-Germain was... I think his career at Paris Saint-Germain actually started very well. But I think um, it's probably been Mbappe that's actually probably cost him yeah. his career he got, in he France. Got he got Neymar yeah. and Mbappe right out of the way in Cavani. You know, he wasn't going to get a game thereafter. No, no. Truth and, and and interestingly, you mentioned Cavani. Obviously, um, a bizarre thing happening with the English FA being coming under massive attack from Uruguayan officials and footballers about they believe that a racist remark has potentially been made. The Uruguayans saying, no, 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 in our country, in our heritage, that's a sign of endearment. And then absolutely out of nowhere, Lucas Torreira releasing a statement on his profile, goading the English FA. I mean, really, really going for the English FA, by the way. Um, I do, I'm, I'm going to come in. Can I I'll weigh on on this subject? You know, in, in France, you drive on the other side of the road. Yeah. In France, you drive on the other side of the road. But that doesn't mean you can drive on it in this country because you do back in your hometown. You know, if you do something in England that is against the rules in England, then you are punished by that in this country. And that's the way it is. You know, whether I think the FA have been harsh or not, they have rules that should be upheld. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and that was for Edison Cavani and the English FA to sort out. Lucas Torreira is a player operating in Spain at the moment. He's not... He's contracted as a parent company by Arsenal without actually being an Arsenal player as it stands at the moment. But he is single-handedly, I believe, with that statement, made it very difficult for Arsenal to re-employ him. And I would be baffled if Arsenal could re-employ him after that because he's physically gone after the governing body that commissions football in this country. And I bring back to the point, Bob, because we are not watching Meza Ozil play at the moment for footballing reasons, which you and I both have our opinion that we believe it's political reasons, not to speak on your behalf. But if that was Indeed. to happen, Torreira came back into the squad. You're asking yourself, well, hang on a second. What in fuck's name is a footballing reason now? Because he's got very political with the governing body of this country, you know, whereby Ozil is kind of third party, really, if you think about it, defending his uh, religious culture in, in a country the other side of the world. I think it's very interestingly timed that he knows that his loan is likely to be terminated at Atletico Madrid. 
Mm. That's very likely to be happening. And perhaps he is looking to sort of say, I know you're going to terminate my loan, but please don't bring me back there. Please send me somewhere else. And I think that is actually a, a very, very good point. And I understand actually that that is uh, already being earmarked because I think he, his former club, well, no, sorry, I say, I always think he played for Fiorentina, didn't he play for Sampdoria? Fiorentina are, are very interested in him and are looking at a six-month loan with an obligation to buy, which is much more the kind of a deal Arsenal were looking to do months ago. That would be fantastic to happen, I think, there. Yeah, so... so, so we've Bob, been linked look, with all these... We have. Linked with them. We're also being linked with a new goalkeeper and a new centre-back, uh, Roger Ibanez in Roma. And I know we've still got our eye on the, the lad... Uh, that plays for Brentford in goal, David Raya, David Raya who I yeah. think would be a massive upgrade on the <laughs> runner, runner, the, the troll, the troll that we have playing for us at the moment. Bless you. Yeah, yeah. So I think well. we need to go for that. Any players you would like to see us sign, James? You know, up uh, January transfer windows. I, I just always find them so bizarre. And it's interesting you mention Roger Ibanez at Roma because in my um, hotel lobby that I'm sitting in at the moment, Roma are one of the games on the big screen. They're currently nil-nil against Sampdoria in the 17th minute. And I'm now looking out for a centre-half as Ibanez. I've made... Um, it's, been, it's made very clear to me that Chris Smalling is playing and he has grown... Well, he's got a hairstyle that somewhat resembles Levi Roots, actually. I think Quite he looks like Aslan from Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, uh, yeah, I, I've not seen him as yet. But uh, look, I, I think that if all those centre halves leave, plus David Luiz is out of contract in the summer, you know, Arsenal will actually only have three centre halves contracted to the football club, being holding Mary and Gabriel and Saliba. Should he come back, that would be four. That's actually as Arsenal go. Not a bad four. So I still believe there's a player in Sleeper. There must be for the club to pay 30 million for him. There just has to be. I would like for Gabriel not to be the best centre half in the team because he's still young, he's still cutting his teeth. And I think sometimes a bit of age and a bit of stature and a bit of experience in the back is never goes amiss. Yeah, I like Mary. I like Mary a lot. I think Bellerin has, uh, I think Bellerin started to turn a corner and put some pretty good performances in, but. He, he might attract a, a reasonably good fee. And let's talk about the new president of Barcelona wanting to bring him back. But for me, Bob, the big one is the correct centre midfield partner for Thomas Party. You know, the 10 is important, but you, you can fill that void. As someone like a Smith Rowe can play in the 10 if you've got two really quality central midfielders who can go box to box and can be significant in both ends of the pitch. You know, someone like a Smith Rowe is allowed to then come into his own. And he clearly has quality. But a, a, a six and a ten, they're, they're the two positions that they really, really need to invest in. Absolutely. Cannot agree more with you on that one. Yeah, I do think so. I, I think a keeper as well, because we're one injury there, uh, one, well, one injury away from an absolute catastrophe there, in my opinion. One point I want to make on the transfer window, actually, is, look, it was it was incredibly ruthless from from Arsenal to deregister Meta Ozil, being at the time their highest paid player. I would like to see that level of ruthlessness handed to Willian in the January window. With I, a, with a, I don't think you're far away on. from that being possible. I, don't, I think that's possible. I genuinely believe that uh, they, are, they, they think the project has gone, gone south would be a, a, a term that I could use on that one. Yeah, they're not happy with his 
they're going to look to move him on. He's, he's, on a, he's not on a cheap salary, so it's a wise move. Yeah, you know, transfer windows with Arsenal are always uh, stick your finger up in the air, what will happen. <laughs> One of my main criticisms of the last window was our inability to move on players. Yeah. And it looks like they're really uh, going hard at that and moving on. You know, I'm very happy with the two deals for Kalanisic and Saliba. I am actually really happy with those. I'd like to see Mustafi just go. If the right money comes in for Xhaka as well, not just the right money, but the ability to replace him is plausible. Mm, yeah. Because I don't think there's any point selling Xhaka if you're not going to put a better player in place. No, you know, no, 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 absolutely. No, but I think you're absolutely right. And I quite like the lad at Leicester. And I, You know, Yuri Tillmans would be a player I would love Arsenal to sign, actually. Tillmans is an artiste for us. And and I've said to him in our transfer game before, a perfect signing for me would be Gigi Wijnaldum. He works, he works, because he can fit into the budget as well, because we could use the fact that he's out of contract in the summer uh, and foreign teams could come in for him to try and prize him away for Liverpool, and I'd be up for that as well. I think, and, and I think 25 million quid, if he didn't want to re-sign for Liverpool, 25 million quid, if we were looking at spending it on Buendia or Brand, I, I would sooner spend it on on a 27, 28-year-old Wijnaldum. I think he could be an absolute figure for Arsenal. He, he and, um, it would make us better. He and Party would be the start of a really, really special free, actually. That would be two yeah, really would, big players in there. It would, it would certainly make us uh, much, much better, you know. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you agree with there. I think it would be so much better by doing that. Mm. Well, look, that would be that, that, that's a little snippet for me. Look, Bob, we've got we've got Newcastle at the weekend, uh, FA Cup third round. Predictions for that game? I think we'll win three one. Okay, okay. Well, who would you? What would you like him to, to mix the team up a bit? I'd like Enketia and Pepe to come back in. Uh, no, I'd like him to play a full strength side. Why would you like that? Yeah. Because confidence breeds confidence and confidence breeds results. And if you keep the same players playing well, they will beat Palace, they will beat uh, Newcastle the following week and they will continue on a run. The games are pretty much once every five to seven days at the moment. I would play fully strength on Arsenal side. No questions asked at all about that. Yeah, I think um, for me, I'd like Pepe and Ketia, Gabriel um, all to play. And, and I'd, I'd like Party to get some minutes so that he isn't completely raw in a Premier League game. Oh no, Cedric, no, no! I agree with that. I mean, he's I'd like certainly... Cedric to play. I think, I think, I think actually Arsenal have got a proper problem now at left back because we haven't got another one. So it would have to be, you know, Nathan Miles would probably have to play left back because because someone like Katini who plays at such an intensity uh, that does need a rest, albeit he's. Uh, he's, he's had six or seven days off from our last game. So, yeah, look, I'd like him to change it a little bit. But he ne- they need to find someone else to get some form in the midfield. I quite like Willock and Smith-Rowe to both play. I'd like to see them two play together. And I think, actually, the lad Saka does lad need a record as well. Yeah, I, Willock, Smith-Rowe. I think Willock, maybe if he's, on, if he's still playing, should play. Uh, certainly, uh, if he's still in, if he's still part of the Arsenal squad. But he should be. You know, we're halfway through the week, so I shouldn't see him moving anywhere. Then no, I would play the same. I probably wouldn't play Bamiyang, to be honest with you. That probably might be one of the players I'd lose out. You know? No, I think I would play him. I think he has to play until he scores. He has to get a goal. So, play. Um, and I think actually at the moment, Lacazette can put his feet up and say, coach, you can't not pick me. I am the most informed attacking player you have. So Maybe start um, Balogun to get him some games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
they've got to start playing him if they're trying to make a commitment to extending his contract or they need to try and sell him in this window because he might still achieve 10 or 12 million quid even with six months to go so it's, it's a very very difficult one I'd be really really disappointed if they can't do that deal that there's not many clubs that Balogun can't very difficult for him well one if they let him go to a club bigger than Arsenal that's a complete shit move by Arsenal and if he ends up going to a club below Arsenal you know then you're kind of like oh I've given in to the fact that he he's going to get regular football you know starting up front but yeah all right well we'll see I'm going to say 2-0 and I look forward to catching up with you on Sunday to review and uh, look ahead to Crystal Palace it's actually Saturday I'll be in Wuhan we're going to record on Sunday, so that, even though it's oh, very late sorry, for me, I'm, I seem to be a bit more awake than you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, fellow mate, it's been a it's been an absolute joy to uh, to chat with you again today, as it always is. Always great for you all, a joy. Great for you guys out there to start talking to you. Wish you all guys happy New Year as well, our fellow Gooners in the yes. Goonersphere. Yes, actually, and, and, and as always, you can get us at Jim Bobcast on Twitter, info at jimbobcast.com on the emails, any questions, tweets, anything you got. Let us know who you want to sign this transfer window. And if we had, I don't know, 40 million quid in the kitty, who would you want us to spend it on? And, and who are you most keen to get rid of? Do you want to reinstate Urza in the side or not? Just um, maybe we'll chuck a couple of polls out there and speak to the... Uh, the Twitterati. But um, Bob, I've been Jim. And I've been Bob. See you guys soon. See you soon. Bye-bye now.